This is Jory. And this is Amy. And this is Don't Tell Me What To Do. We're a podcast that, you know, we know that there are moments in everyone's life where it's just, there's something that shifts. There's something that changes. And so we're diving into those moments and we're diving into all of the advice that surrounds those moments. And today we're talking about what happens when you get advice from people that you really love and really respect, especially from our family. And what do you do with it and what happens after that? So today we have Jen Hope here, and I love Jen because she's Mm -hmm. my coach and has given me so much advice over the past year. But um, by day, she's an executive coach, marketer on the side, and I also like to think of her as a (laughs) quasi-therapist and a badass (laughs) fitness lady. (laughs) We actually met in a fitness class, and I had a little bit of a girl crush on her and walked up to her and introduced myself. Same, same, same for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We've been friends ever since. So, Jen, I know when you were telling us about how you started your business that you did walk away from a career in marketing and you did get a lot of advice from people. So tell us how that was your don't tell me what to do moment. So the don't tell me what to do actually starts with a tell me what to do and have me listen to what you say first. <laughs> so going back um, 20 plus years to the don't tell me what to do moment where I actually didn't follow the advice, I listened to my dad, uh, who gave me the advice at 19 years old to change uh, my major. Um, He sat me down and I very vividly remember sitting across the table from him at this very 70s wood table in our dining room that had like flowers engraved on the side of it and really weird matching chairs with fabric covers. And him telling me that um, while he understood my interest in psychology and and how that was going to play out in my future and be um, probably fulfilling for me. Um, In his words, I was never going to, quote, make enough money in that psychology business. Um, (laughs) Which, like, as a statement, is loving, and I know that, um, and I know my dad well enough. My dad has worked, my dad worked in finance for 30 years um, for a huge company, and his job was literally to assess risk um, in, fi- in auto finance. And so like that is my dad's kind of role in life is to look around and assess risk. And, and so what he was doing um, in a very loving way was assessing my risk for me um, and then providing me that feedback and, um, and really helping me you know, create the financial future which he wanted to see for me, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy loves me and cares about me. Um, I totally won like the stepdad jackpot. Um, and so, and I have this great relationship with him. And so him giving me that advice and being right. Um, so expert, yeah, Yeah, and this is the expert, right? Like this guy knows everything. Mm -hmm. He like has a company car. I mean, this guy knows, right? (laughs) He knows what is up. He's been on like a million, like incentive trips and took my mom to Thailand. Like this dude knows, you know, life Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, and you know, I have so much respect for him and, and everything that he's built for himself career wise. So when he tells me what's up with money, like that's, t- it's time to listen. Um, and so I promptly changed my major and I became, I went from a psychology major to a business major. Um, and, and that didn't feel marketing. You weren't upset about it. It was just like, Oh, this is what I need to do. You know, it <coughs> felt right at the time. Um, what I was doing and what I was studying, I really loved but it made sense. Like mm. it, it in that moment was like, oh yeah, he's probably right. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and making the shift didn't seem too far. I had taken like some intro business classes and things. And so it made sense. Um, and then once I landed in marketing, like I loved it and there was no like, oh, I should have looked back or, oh, there was something for me that I missed out on. I really didn't feel that way. Um, landing in marketing the way that I did and really, um, being excited about it. I worked in marketing at the time, so I was already doing an internship. Um, work and and working a part-time job in a marketing role so it wasn't a huge leap it was really like kind of a nudge and an elbow and a direction mm. um, although he was more direct about it the way that <laughs> I see it he would probably say it was it was gentle it was you know it was a suggestion an it's, invitation didn't feel that way yeah. um, coming from your dad who's right. an expert but um, he would say it was a suggestion um, so fast forward uh, mm-hmm. about probably 16 years, mm-hmm. um, I started exploring a career shift from working as a marketing executive uh, to working as an executive coach. And I brought this idea to him. And I had left a conference. Um, it was a, um, a startup conference. And I left the conference inspired. Like, I am going to be in this entrepreneurial role. I am going to be the CEOs that... I was watching today and it just all made sense and mm-hmm. I remember going to him with all of this inspiration and all of this excitement and being met with his same risk assessing mindset um, and him saying like I don't know if this is the right choice and mm-hmm. and you know with all of his lovingness with all of um, the care that he put into that statement um, it felt like pushback. It felt like resistance. It felt like, I don't know if this is the right choice for you right now. Um, Did he ask questions, sort of get to know your thought process, what you were thinking, or was it more an initial reaction of, oh, I don't know if you should do that? I think there was some question. Uh, There were questions, but more along the lines of, I was so excited about helping people, Mm. and that was what had me so inspired. Like, I am going to help people, and this is going to make a difference in the world. And I was so attached to the impact and the meaning and really kind of this vision that I had of turning my hat from, like, profits to people. Mm. And, And I think he saw that, and he saw this, like, very dreamy version of entrepreneurship. And also, I think he saw the limited access to 401k <laughs> coming my way. Um, like, you're in your prime saving time. Totally, right? <laughs> like, he's literally like, you are so close to turning 40. What are you actually doing? Jen, what have I taught you about compound interest? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and the fact that you've got all of those terms right now, Jory, is... Yeah. I have again, the same stepdad. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yes. Obviously, this yeah. is a common theme. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like looking at me being like, oh my God, like these are the moments. What am I, you know, have I taught you nothing? Um, And like, you know, to him, I see, I see the moment of like, you know, this meaning isn't going to pay your rent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, right. Like good for you. And also, um, you know, are you thinking about your future? And, you know, I think I have just so much more risk tolerance than, than he's just built so differently. Right. And this is, I've been working for startup companies for, you know, on and off for the better part of 15 years. And so that's a part of life. This seems very normal to me. We're living where we do, living in Seattle, um, you know, in our culture, this gig economy. It's so, it seems so normal. And picturing where he's coming from and the difference in, um, you know, living life that's focused on meaning, living life that's focused on having impact um, versus like 
you just do a job and why are you even talking about it? Um, Show up, do the work. And so I didn't take his advice. Um, And I wasn't... Did it hold you back, though, a little bit? Conscious of it. You know, what held me back um, is the disappointment of not having his support. Mm. Ah. So that gave me pause. It gave me pause that... um, I, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this before we started this conversation, but about, I really like being a good student. I really like Mm -hmm. being a good kid. Mm -hmm. My relationship with my dad even has a theme in it, um, about being a good kid. Like he calls me like, you're a good kid, Jen. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's like a, you know, I'm an oldest. I am like, I have all of those pride things. Like, you know, give me that gold star dad. Um, so it, you know, it's a theme with us that, you know, I am a good kid. And so to do something or to be disappointing or to have that kind of disappointing conversation or to just make a different call at 35 that says, like, maybe dad's not right um, was a lot. It was, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a shift for me for sure down or, a different path. Or maybe he is right and, like, you yeah. can still do it. Like, yes, it might be more risky, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Right. I would say it's, it, his choice isn't always the right choice for me. Yeah, that's mm. that's kind of where I landed. Like he may be right that it's very risky, and it, he, I mean, he is right. Like I live that life now. It is right. that that was a huge risk, and it was a huge shift, um, and still feels like aligned with my best life <laughs> or mm. my um, myself, my decisions, right. my you know, getting to live the way that I want to live and do the job I want to do every day, how I want to spend my time. Mm-hmm. So that still feels, quote unquote, right, um, even with the risk. When you made the jump, <clears throat> was he the only one giving you that kind of advice or did you have a support team that was helping you propel forward? Or was you just ignoring everyone and being like, this is just going to be about me right now? So there were a few things that came together at one time. So. The full-time role that I had um, went away. We sold that company. And so it was like kind of this convergence of like, this is the time, like it's it, right? Like we have, it is go time right Mm -hmm. now. And um, I did have a lot of support. Um, My mom in the almost opposite corner of my dad is like, you can do anything. I mean, she literally is that person where like, you have made everything happen that you ever wanted to have happen, so do it. And um, that's her MO. She is like, she calls herself Team Jen, and, and she really is. Like, if there is something that I have a hint of um, an idea that I can take on, she is like the confidence builder in that direction. And so um, she definitely supported me. Um, tons of friends, tons of support. Again, like, there is nothing that you set your mind to that you cannot accomplish. That was kind of the theme. Um, and my dad was really kind of just a voice of reason in the whole thing, too, saying, like, there's risk, know that, and then go from there. I don't think his intent was ever to hold me back, but more to just broaden my perspective and give me kind of that scope and maybe the long view um, of entrepreneurship that I probably didn't have was like that road and that journey, even though I'd been in the startup space and know it, um, but actually living it is very different. Well, and as you look back at that, not only at that time, at the moving forward in the time since, right? Given what your dad has told you and like that piece of rationale, that reasoning he told you, did it come to bear out in your life? 
Did they, did you look at his advice and say, okay, now I've got to take this and I've got to like internalize it and I've seen those obstacles come up and I now know to go back to it? Was it, was it true for him or for you in your time as you were an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Hell yeah, I just want to hear it. It's so like, hard. It is yeah. by far the hardest job I have ever had. Okay. Um, I am fairly anti-hustle. Um, I'm fairly anti-hustle as a female in the workforce. I'm fairly anti-hustle um, just by my nature. I am really about work-life balance. Um, and being an entrepreneur, even being anti-hustle, I feel like my work does not really end um, because there is a constant state of business building. That doesn't end. Um, it's only me, and I'm always in a state of something needing to be done, uh, but also, um, you know, business building is a really hard job. It's biz dev all the time. And while I love it, that's a, it's a really rewarding part of my job and getting to meet people and connect with people and build this brand and build visibility uh, for my own practice is awesome. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. And because so much of it is solo, that's some of the most solo part of my existence, mm -hmm. um, it's draining for mm -hmm. a collaborator. Mm -hmm. And you know, by nature, I've been a collaborator, I've built teams, I've had the creative fuel of working with other people to help me in lulls. And now um, I, have, you know, I have coaches, I have support, I have friends that are entrepreneurs, I have all of those things. And at the end of the day, when I'm sitting in front of my computer or when I walk away from it, it is still just me in this business. And um, so it's hard. It mm -hmm. is hard work. And it takes a lot. I mean, it's, it's definitely had moments. I've had moments of like peeking my head up and thinking like, I got to get a job, a quote unquote job, right? Because I was stable. <laughs> I have to do something different. Yeah. I, need, I need a paycheck. You know, dad was right. What am I doing? Where's my retirement? How, you know, these are, you know, highest earning potential decade of my life. Like, what am I doing? And, um, and definitely have sent myself down that path, have come back and been like, nope, everything's great. Everything, you know, um, different months of the year changes, different mm -hmm. days it changes. Um, so was he right in a lot of ways? Yeah. There's a lot of risk and there's so much reward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you balance that then when you're going, obviously when you're working with startups, you're having to make decisions, but you have that team. And so now when you're in the solo role, you want to seek out the advice of others. You want their mm -hmm. advice. But how do you balance hearing that advice, digesting that advice, and then knowing what to take and what not to take? Yeah, it's so funny. I saw, I just saw a blog post about this, about specifically that, where like so many people have, are in that position, especially in the startup community. Like, tell me how to do what I'm trying to do. Help, help me expedite the journey. Help me get there faster. Accelerate our growth. And they're looking at somebody else's experience as, you know, the path that they should take. Like, mm -hmm. you know the answer. And unfortunately, I don't, None of our situations are the same. Um, you know, your savings could be very different. Your friend, any kind of financial position can be very different. Um, the amount that you can invest because of that, the, you know, the future that you want to have, what kind of retirement are you trying to build for yourself? Like just those pieces alone can be enough to influence you one way. The marketing track that you should take. How do I market a business like this? Where should I focus? What 
is my next step for certification? I mean, there are so many paths to go yeah. down. I mean, it's exhausting just to hear you list them all. I know. You're like, like too much. This is where yeah. my brain goes every day, right? And and really then like what are, you know, there's so that's essential and then you're responsible for all of that decision making. Right. Right? And so um Looking to other people has served me in some ways. Uh, looking to other people to tell me what is right for me in my business uh, has worked kind of to send me spinning at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, following somebody else's path and um, using their journey as my guide has not been super successful. Mm. I think that's interesting because I do feel that as entrepreneurs, and, and I hear it all the time too in my line of work, that you just get so much advice that it's, it's decision fatigue mm-hmm. at that point. And I think, you know, I've heard this too from other entrepreneurs where you give in to those couple decisions because you're so, so tired of making so many different calls throughout the day. And then all of a sudden you get this advice and it's not quite right, but it's almost there. Has there been a time when it's been like not quite right? But it's almost there and you took the advice and you were, you had to backtrack and say, okay, I'm going back on my path. I'm going back on my, on what I believe to be true. I think the places where I did that were when I needed to get like something out the door and it was okay that it was imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I had the flexibility for it to still change. So like... Um, I worked with experts on my branding. So I went and like hired a branding team to help me do branding when I first started because that's what you do when you just start is like spend a bunch of mo- money on branding. But when you're a marketer, you're like, I need to look pretty. I, I need to yeah, 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 this <laughs> needs to come. I need to look like my shit is together. Yeah, yes. You called yourself a marketer for 20 years? Yeah. Like, you better come out strong, right? <laughs> so anyway, and like branding is going to help me be more clear and all these things that like are... Do You've told CEOs before. Right. It's and your own advice, yeah. right? You better take your own advice. So I did that um, and also ended up, you know, it was brand new. And so it evolved, right? I have had four or five evolutions of my brand over time. I mean, they've, they're getting more clear. And mm-hmm. every time that it continues to evolve and, and as I get more skilled and more experienced and more confident, truly, in what I do and how I work with people and that process gets, like, more and more solidified, it makes it so much easier to communicate. Um, but in the beginning, like, we were kind of all just, like, throwing stuff at the wall like you would and you're doing customer development yeah. early in a startup, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I trusted people there. I, let, I went with brand brand suggestions that they gave me because they were collaborators and I felt like they probably knew better than I did. Um, but it really took time. That's really mm-hmm. what um, maybe, you know, I was maybe probably closer to like 60 or 70 percent of the way there in the very very early years and as I've worked with more folks and gotten more clear and launched a website and so many other marketing materials and gotten more clear on the value proposition like those are things that have gotten way closer to like 80 or 90 percent and I trusted people then to help me launch but I needed to do something I needed to launch there needed to be this outward expression um, and it had to evolve over time so yeah there were places where I trusted the other, you know, others advice for sure. And was unclear about who I really, who, what the, what the business really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's a big shift from 35 to 40 mm. on who you are. Like Absolutely. 35 to 40. Yes. I grew up a lot and <sighs> got way more comfortable. I would say, you know, even like in like 
40 exactly to like 40 and a quarter. I'm like, (laughs) still growing, man. Still still getting comfortable. (laughs) So 40 and a quarter is pretty cool. Um, And again, like more comfortable than I was at like 39 and a half. So I love it. Yeah. So you got to give us all the advice on the 40 and a quarter. Oh, when you man. get there. Okay. Well, when you get to 40 and a half, let's okay. say. Okay, 40 and a half. Because we're not quite there yet. I'll come back and we'll, like, reset. We'll reset. <laughs> well, and I want to talk about something that you mentioned earlier, the anti-hustle. Because mm. I think that when you have all this advice thrown at you, as a, especially going into an entrepreneur role, I think that sounds, at least personally to me, the scariest part of, I, I'm anti-hustle. But I also am ambitious. And how do you, mm. how do you have ambition on one hand, but also anti-hustle and self-care it's sort of like the big buzzwords of today that you don't how do you balance all of that Mm -hmm. what does anti-hustle mean to you well anti-hustle to me means like I have one I try to abide by like one rule which is like I do yoga on Friday afternoons (laughs) generally (laughs) speaking like I do yoga on Friday afternoons sometimes I do dance and yoga on Friday (laughs) whoa that's entrepreneurship, babe. That's, <laughs> yeah. that is, Sign me up. Right? Like, Sign me up. Right. And I sometimes work like 14 hours on Thursday, right? And then that's how balance is out. But like it really is, um, for me, like I really, I really try to have there be balance. And sometimes it ebbs and sometimes it flows. And, um, you know, I, I mean, being anti-hustle for me, really just boils down to being unsubscribed to anti-burnout, 16-hour yeah. days, yeah. right? Like, yeah, anti-burnout. Mm-hmm. And also, if I'm going to preach, like, work-life balance, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be somebody who's subscribed to all of those things, I better not be going to events four nights a week, like, doing everything I can to to like burn myself out, right? And I better not be giving all of my time away. And I better be practicing that, you know, my services are valuable. And like all of those, and those are like better be, but like I choose mm-hmm. to be, I want to be. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that that always happens. I will definitely say like there have been so many times where I've had to catch myself and say like how much time am I giving away? Mm-hmm. What is the best use of my time? Doing that, like self-reflect, why is my bucket empty? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that happens. And um, figure out what works for you, not necessarily for other people. Totally. And, and what works for me in a given moment or week or month or time period of that business. Because it's different, you know, at different times, different stages of life. Um, I have more to give at some times than I do at others. Like, there's real life, right? Like, I have a whole yeah. life happening outside of this business where, like, sometimes all of my, you know, emotional effort is going towards friendship, relationship, family, all these other things. And, you know, the business doesn't get, you know, everything that I want it to at those times by choice. Like I, and I know that, um, Mm -hmm. and I've had those moments. I went through a huge life change. I went through a divorce, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's, I don't, you don't have that much to give in that moment. You also could give a ton and completely forget about what you're doing in Mm -hmm. in the rest of your life. Right. right? So it kind of, it's ebbed and flowed at different times. Mm -hmm. And earlier you were telling us about some self-compassion homework that oh, almost no. went a little bit too far. Oh, so I want to talk about that Let's too. Let's that one. Of yeah. you t- you're taking time for yourself, but there's also this moment where you're hearing all this <laughs> advice of what you should do, and you should do yoga, and you should do meditation, mm-hmm. but when is it just too much? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the story went that um, I'm 
I'd go to a therapist, um, like all of us should, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to say should in that way. Um, I'm not supposed to say should, but we should. Mm-hmm. And um, and I see a therapist, and I was seeing her on a once-a-week um, cadence for, I don't know, 16, 18 months. And I love her, and my relationship with her is like the phrase, I have the best therapist in the whole wide world, has been like the theme of our relationship. And I really feel that way about her, and the work that we do um, is a lot of skills-based and compassion-based therapy, and I just love it. For somebody who, like, likes tools and frameworks mm-hmm. and also, like, homework and all those things that make you a good student um, or and a really good client, um, it's a really good fit for me. And so um, about a month ago, she we had a session, and this was, like, early on in our new cadence of now every other week. And she kind of threw down a challenge for me as, as I was about to leave session that um, she wanted me to be working with com- like compassion-based therapy in, in doing like self-compassion meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically the work of Kristen Neff. And Chris- Kristen Neff is amazing and I love her work and I think it's, it's something that everyone could benefit from. Um, but specifically, she wanted me to, to bump up the 10 minutes a day that I was quote unquote every day doing, which is more like four or five times a week, and um, and to be doing twenty five meditations a day, specifically in um, the self compassion meditation. And I gave her a lot of reasons why that wasn't a good idea. Specifically, I didn't want to do it. That was the main reason. Right. Uh, but also, she was very compelling in her argument of why it was a good idea. Um, she even used the phrase. Um, if you want to come to therapy every other week and still continue to make marked change, um, you're gonna have to do session. You're gonna have to do work outside of session. You can't just come here and talk about stuff for an hour. But as a good student, this is incredibly important <laughs> yeah. to me. I need to make marked change. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I like, need to hit my metrics. Right. I'm coming back right. here. This is right? ROI-based right? therapy. What am I doing <laughs> yeah. here? Right. Oh God. Um, yeah, is this my KPIs? What the hell? <laughs> uh, so I was really stressed, like really stressed by this challenge and mm-hmm. also like really felt like it wasn't really a conversation. It was very like prescribed, like this is what you need to do. And there wasn't like a collaborative process. I was not a stakeholder. I did not have a feedback opportunity. <laughs> yeah. like, it was very much like this was the, what we were doing. Um, and so I promptly left and went to my car and cried. Um, cause like, you trust her and you listen to her. So yeah. she yeah. that you're going to do it. Yeah. And then I texted my best friend and said, my therapist just gave me the most bullshit homework and I almost threw a meditation pillow at her. <laughs> <laughs> Which like still goes down, I think, as one of the best, best text messages in history. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's a good, that I would be, be excited to leave, like to get that text, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, I think that was good. Um, yeah. and so... Yeah, it didn't get much better from there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I started practicing the meditation. Um, here and there, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing self-compassion meditation and checking in with your body <laughs> and all of these other things when you are really frustrated yeah. is not fun. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of compassion <laughs> meditation, <laughs> right? Like, it's the opposite it's of feeling good. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, and... You know, then, like, the theme started, like, coming up of, like, I was frustrated with her mm-hmm. and feeling like I had been prescribed kind of this situation. So two weeks later, I go back, and we're unfortunately doing video therapy, 
because this is during our snowpocalypse here in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing video therapy, and I'm telling her, like, hey, this has been really challenging. I'm not really vibing on this on this homework that you gave me. And, you know, she's like, well, tell me about why the self-compassion work is so hard for you. And You're instead like, of being like... <laughs> Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Now we spend a whole session talking about why self-compassion is so hard. And I'm like, oh, no, we've gone really awry. And I went from the best therapist in the whole wide world to, like, I'm going to quit. Like, I'm going to quit this person. So anyway, so now a full two weeks goes by and I go back to her and say, like, hey, Uh we're off the rails. Like, I've now stopped doing it. Like, I'm still doing it, like, four days a week. But I'm, like. Because you're still a good student. I can still put the effort, right? Because uh-huh. it's still quote unquote every day. Um, so yeah, and then I have to go back and be like, "Hey, this is this is not working." So I sit down and I tell her like, "Hey, we're out of sync here. I need us to like check in and um, get back on the same page." And so she's like, "Okay, well, like tell me what's been coming up." And I said, "Well, you you know you gave me this homework a month ago. It was twenty five minutes of compassion based therapy every day, and it's really not been working for me." And her first question was like, well, why didn't you just stop? Well, because I didn't know there was a fucking option. (laughs) Did you want to throw something then? Why why didn't I know that that was an option, right? As a coach, I should know this is an option. As a human, I should know that there are always options. Um, But because the expert in the betterment of me as a human, or so I thought, was this person and not myself... I was letting her guide the process, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so being, like, again, the best therapist in the whole wide world, um, we were able to talk about it. And we were able to really break down, like, what happened? Like, how did that happen? And, you know, there was a lot of ownership on her side of, like, hey, we were switching to, like, every two weeks, and I ran into Mm. wanting you to continue to stay on this track that you're on, right? I want you to keep moving forward. And so the homework was, like, helping you to do that. That was my intention with it. Um, And she said, also, why didn't you call me, like, a weekend and be like, this is horrible, I'm not doing it anymore. And I was like, again, didn't know this was an option. Um, And the feedback was really, like, this is always an option. And if you're checking in and having, like, this terrible reaction to what is being asked of you, that's the time to stop, right? You're, I, like, the line for me is, like, you're the boss applesauce. Mm-hmm. And, but I wasn't. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't listening to myself. I wasn't listening to what I was experiencing. I was going with somebody else's gut on this situation until I had the courage to say, like, hey, man, A, what's really happening here? B, this isn't working for me. And then how do we sort it out? And it, you know, it has, like, since, like, resolved itself. No meditation Um, pillows were thrown. No meditation pillows were thrown. I mean, I think, like, emotionally I was having a tantrum. (laughs) Emotionally a lot of meditation pillows were thrown. um, And then were physically thrown. Um, But it, you know, it has since resolved. I did not do my meditation this morning. It felt so good. It felt so good to be, like, back on my own track um, and rebelling a little. I think that's an important story, though, because so many people shell out advice and may not even think twice about it. They have good intentions. They mean well. They're thinking of you. But then it just flutters away. It's just a little thing that they say. But as a somebody that receives the advice, we hold on to it. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember pieces of advice that given 10 years ago, five years ago. You hold on to those lines that the person who gave it probably doesn't remember it at all. Absolutely. So I think really thinking about you're the boss applesauce is is like the key line of this episode. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and too, I think there's the the component of 
who speaks truth into our lives and who we trust to speak truth into our lives. And sometimes there's there's therapists, right? There's parents. There's there's larger conversations with people that we really invested in. And, and love and trust. And, and love and trust. And sometimes those pieces of advice carry a bit more weight than than others that someone randomly comes down the street. Maybe sometimes not. I don't know. I've received advice from strangers, and I'm like, oh, what? How dare you talk to me that way? But, you know, the people that we trust and we love are therapists. Like, Oh, yeah. Trust and love her for sure. Right. right. This is, And also have a history of success trusting her advice. Exactly. Right? That's where, like, that's, I think, even more so how I could fall into that trap, right? Is mm-hmm. no, and um, being that person who, you know, they do it, they, they have impact. I mean, trusted friends, I think, is the other person, like, mm-hmm. other people to put in this conversation, true, because, too, because they are like family, mm-hmm. right? They become, you know, particularly at our age, this becomes, you know, the friend family situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I have definitely experienced that as well, right? Trusting other people, um, even just their feedback, how much weight it holds, how much I can catch myself later thinking about somebody mm-hmm. else's expertise, right, on my life. Totally. I do that with Jory all the time. Jory, for those of you who know Jory in real life, she provides the best advice all the time. And so when she gives me advice, I'm like, yes, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to marinate on it. There's some pieces of advice, I'll be honest, haven't been so happy with at times, but I'm sure that I've given pieces of advice to you that you're like, yeah, no, Amy, you're completely off. So it's just a matter of kind of checking in. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, Jen, you talked a lot about that too. Of like, so when I get this advice, I've got to check in. I've got to see what's true to myself, what's right, what's not. And I think that's the challenge as we, as we quote unquote grow up, right? Is figuring out what's true and what's not for our own self. And some of the advice comes from just the person thinking about what they would do in your situation. And so mm-hmm. I think some of it the advice maybe has nothing to do with you and more about if I was in that situation and I felt I made the wrong decision, so I'm going to tell you what I wish I had done. Totally. Even though that's more about them than it is about you. Absolutely. It's all good stuff to think about. Well, I think that's a fantastic way to, to kind of bring it all full circle and Jen, thank you. Thanks for being a part of this. For sure. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Oh my gosh, of course. This is fun. Of course. So for everyone listening... How can they go and find out a bit more about you and the work that you do? Sure. So uh, I'm on, uh, online everywhere at Hey Jen Hope. So HeyJenHope.com, Instagram, Hey Jen Hope, uh, even on LinkedIn. Hey Jen Hope is where you'll find me. Awesome. Go find her. Go connect with her. She is freaking fantastic. Badass lady. Thank you so much. Thank you both.